lesson this evening. And she said, I thought they just asked you for one night. Or, or <laughs> maybe a long night. But 8, 8, 745. 745. Uh, well, I know Brother Glasgow will recognize the, uh, the, the uh, term uh, preaching from the overflow, where you study way more than you can present in the allotted time. Uh, he's told me he'd come tell me. See, I, I knew I'd forget. Is that, is that got it? It's green. It's green. Okay, all right. It makes me think I got it turned off again. <laughs> um, <clears throat> preaching from the overflow means that you present much more than you will be able to, or you, you prepare much more than you will be able to present in the allotted time. Uh, and, and certainly when you're preparing uh, a lesson on my given subject, uh, you can certainly uh, do that. We could be here for a long, long time discussing this subject. Before we get started, uh, I just want to say uh, how thankful I am for uh, every opportunity I have to be associated with Brother Glasgow. Uh, as he mentioned, I always enjoy being with him on uh, Know Your Bible and, and um, the uh, good work that we're able to do together and, and always enjoy being associated with this good uh, congregation and the uh, Columbus uh, Bible School on Tuesday nights. Um, looking forward to being uh, in that for another quarter. And um, I know I enjoy it a lot. I don't know if the uh, if the students do, but uh, but I enjoy it. So I'm thankful for all of those opportunities. I know you've probably heard the uh, old saying that you can't choose your family. You know, you're just kind of stuck with them. Uh, you 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 can't choose who you're. Uh, 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 brother is, who, who, who your mom and dad had before you or after you or who your sister is or uh, uh, really even who your mom and dad are or uh, who your cousins are, especially cousins. Man, wouldn't you like to be able to choose your cousins? <laughs> you, 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 can't, you can't choose your family, right? And, and, and it's the same way in the church, isn't it? The church comes together from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different cultures, uh, a lot of different um, uh, mindsets, and, and all of those people come together as a family. And, and we don't choose who is our family in, in the church. But that's what the church is, is a family. It's a household. The Apostle Paul told Timothy that he was writing to him so that he might know how he ought. That means it's the right way. How he ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And so the church is a household, it is a family. And just like in your family, when you go home tonight and you look around at the people that are there with you and you say, I can't choose who comes home with me. Can't. Well, you know, you, you, you can't choose who comes into the church. The gospel is for all. We preach the gospel to everyone. And whosoever will may obey the invitation and come for the cleansing blood of Christ. And so we are in a family, and what we have to do is to conduct our relationships together in this family in the right way. That's what Paul wrote to Timothy and to Titus to instruct them in, uh, especially tonight as we're talking about the relationship between uh, elders and preachers. Uh, we're going to be looking a lot in 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus because uh, the conduct of the evangelist, the preacher, is most specifically detailed in those books. And 
Uh, there's a great deal there about the elders and who they are. So we're going to be in those books quite a bit this evening. But I, I want to uh, notice what is said there to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 about relationships, relationships in the church. Because Timothy, as the preacher, was supposed to maintain pure relationships in the church. And he says uh, to Timothy in, in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 1, Do not rebuke an older man. Some, uh, some translations say, uh, do not rebuke an elder. Uh, you know, I found myself in a situation one time where I had to uh, say something corrective to a man that was older than me. And he wrote me about a three-page letter uh, telling me how wrong and sinful I was to rebuke an elder because this verse says don't rebuke an elder. Well, it's talking about a relationship there. It's not talking about if I see a brother older than me doing something that is going to jeopardize their soul, I'm not supposed to say anything to them. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about maintaining a pure relationship in the family of Christ. And so it says, do not rebuke an older man. You're supposed to show the older men in the church, uh, 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 I include myself here. Us younger men are, are supposed to show the proper and due respect for the older men in the church, just like you would in a family. And I know a lot of you guys, uh, you know, if, if you had not shown the proper respect for your father in your house coming up, uh, it would not have been tolerated. You would have been corrected. Well, we're supposed to have that same respect and honor for the older men in the church. So he tells Timothy, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. See the emphasis on the family relationship. <clears throat> Exhort him as a father. Younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers. Younger women as sisters. Now notice it, the key word for our study this evening. With all purity. With all purity. You know, if, if the young men in the church are looking at the young ladies in the church as their sisters with all purity... Well, that takes care of a lot of the uh, sexual immorality that, that is so rampant, doesn't it? And if, if the uh, 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 younger men are looking at the older men as fathers and the older women as mothers, then they're going to be respectful toward them the way that they're supposed to, aren't they? Yes, they are. And so there is a family relationship here. And that is the, the uh, key to uh, all of these relationships that, that you all have been discussing in the church and Certainly true of the relationship between preachers and elders. If you look over at uh, verse 22 of that same chapter, you see another emphasis on purity in, in verse 22. He says, Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. So, if, if I'm paying attention to myself, to keep myself pure and my relationship to my brothers and sisters in the church, from the elders to the deacons to the uh, Bible class teachers to the members in the church to, to, to my fellow preachers, if, if I'm keeping myself pure and you're keeping yourself pure, then the family's going to be what it's supposed to be, isn't it? And so purity is the key to these relationships. Even though you can't choose your family, you can be pure. You can decide to be pure in your relationship to them. Uh, as we talk about the relationships in the church, the relationship between elders and preachers, just like in the home, 
relationship problems many times come from a failure to understand and respect the respective roles in the home. When we understand each other's roles and have respect for each other's roles, then we work better together, don't we? And so that's what we want to look at this evening is what is the relationship between the role of an elder and the role of a preacher? Because where those relationships break down, it's because one or the other, either the elders aren't understanding and respecting the distinctive role of the preacher in the church, or the preacher is not understanding and respecting the distinctive role of the elders in the church. And, and because there's not that understanding and respect, there, there's a, a relationship like this instead of a relationship like this. And so that's what we want to look at this evening is understanding and respecting the roles. Let's start with the role of elders. Uh, number one, when we talk about the role of elders in the church, is that elders are men. Elders are men. <clears throat> and I don't mean just males. I mean, yes, they are males, but they are men, not just males. If you look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse, 30, uh, verse 13, it says, Watch, stand fast in the faith. Now I'm reading from the New King James. It may be you're reading from the King James or from another translation. I'm reading from the New King James. I like this wording in the King James. Brother Glasgow, are you reading in the King James? Uh, it says, watch, stand fast in the faith. King James, quit you like men. And that, that means stand up and act like a man. Right, So when Paul is talking about being strong, courageous, brave Christians, how does he describe it? Stand up and act like a man. Be brave, be strong like a man's supposed to be. That's why I say elders are men, not just males. You know, any male can run around and make a bunch of babies with every woman that will lay down for them. Any, any male can do that. All that shows is that his body works and his brain doesn't. A real man, a real man is described in 1 Timothy chapter 3. That's a man that is faithful to one wife. He's a one-woman man. And he's faithful to his family. He, he, he raises his family. Instructs them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, raises them up so that they will in turn be faithful Christians. That's, that's the Bible man. And so, number one, an elder is a man. Now, it says, be strong, be brave. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's the kind of spirit that an elder is supposed to have, is, is a, a, power, a, a spirit of power. 
That, that he understands his role in the church and he's courageous in that role. Because when we look at the qualifications of the elders and the role of the elders, you know, there's going to be times when an elder has to stand up and be a man. He can't be weak. He can't be cowardly. Because people are going to come to him and they're, and, and they're going to come to the elders and they're going to say, well, you know, we, we would really think the uh, uh, singing would be a whole lot better if we gave microphones to certain people in the audience and had, you know, a special singing group in the church and, and we'll let that singing group do the singing for us. And the elders are going to have to say, well, you know, if we, if we tell them they can't do that because it's, we don't have any scriptural pattern for that, if we tell them they can't do that, they're going to leave. And so, you know, we'll give them just a little bit. And they compromise the truth of God's Word. They compromise the doctrine of Christ. That's not being a man. They have to be strong. They have to be brave. They have to be courageous and say, no, we are going to hold to God's Word. We're going to hold to the Bible. And we love you. We care about you. And we want you to find the same gratification, the same kind of fulfillment that we find in following God's Word. But, if you don't, you may go. Because we're not doing that here. See, they have to be strong to do, because sometimes that's hard. You know, because again, we're talking about a family, and you're talking about members of the family saying, if I don't get my way, I'm going to leave. Well, you know... Uh, Sometimes a prodigal son just has to go be a prodigal son. And we've got to welcome them back when they're ready to come back. And so, number one, elders have to be men. And we'll see that come up again as we go through their uh, designations. Because if we're looking at the role of the elders in the church, then the first thing we have to understand did you say 7.30? 7.45, okay. I, I'm, I'm okay then. Uh, if, if we're going to understand those roles in the church and, and to have a, a, a proper uh, respect for those roles and to work together in harmony, then uh, we need to, to look at what those roles are. And the way that we learn the role of an elder in the church is to look at their designations. How are they designated in the Bible? That says a lot about their role in the church. I was reading uh, uh, one person's uh, writing on this subject, and he said, we don't really read much in the Bible about the role of elders. The Bible's more concerned with the qualifications of elders, not so much their role. And I thought, well, that's just dumb. That's not right. We learn a great deal about the role of elders in the church. What good would it do to be so specific about the qualifications and to say, these are the qualifications for the men that will serve you as elders, but then, you know, once they meet these qualifications, we'll just let them do whatever they want to do. Well, that's not how the Bible works. And so we have these designations for these men to tell us what their role is. Uh, they are shepherds or pastors. Those words shepherd and pastor, same thing, same word. They're shepherds, they're pastors. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, and I know you're familiar with these passages, you've heard these passages before, but I want to make some specific points from these passages. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, it says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church. 
of God, which he purchased with his own blood. That shepherd the church, that's the, the same thing as saying feed the flock. That's what that term pastor or shepherd comes from. It's the ones who are responsible for taking care of those sheep, who are, who are responsible for making sure that the sheep are not only provided for, nurtured. You know, we read about that beautiful psalm of the shepherd in Psalm 23, where uh, you, you see the protective care of the shepherd. In, in that passage, and, and, and how the, the sheep can be without fear, knowing that the shepherd is, is make, uh, laying down a table for them. Even in the face of their enemies, they're going to have what they need. They're going to have the nourishment they need because the shepherd is taking care of them. And, and so when we look at this uh, idea of shepherd, you know, one of the things that, that I think we miss sometimes when we look at shepherd is the protective work of shepherds. That shepherds are responsible for protecting the flock. You know, you go back to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning verse 34, and David, David was a little shepherd boy, wasn't he? That's how we think of David, you know, in his young life. David the little shepherd boy. Look, look at how David the little shepherd boy described his work as a shepherd. L listen, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. That's a shepherd protecting his sheep. That's a shepherd protecting his sheep from the bear and the lion. Go back to uh, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Therefore take heed to yourselves and all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch. Watch for what? For the wolf to come walking in, and the elders to say, there's a wolf over there. We, no. To watch so when the wolf comes in, they can grab the wolf by the beard and kill it and spare their flock. Now, of course, we're speaking spiritually. <laughs> And, and that's what Paul says to Titus. And, and again, I think we overlook this sometimes when we're talking about the, the role of the shepherd. You know, we talk about the shepherd, you know, uh, uh, takes care of the sheep and feeds the sheep and gentle and pets the sheep. Well, that's not all the shepherd does. Because when the shepherd's petting the sheep and this wolf comes in to kill the sheep, the shepherd's going to jump over there with that shepherd's crook. You know what that shepherd's crook is for? It's to kill the wolf. And so in Titus chapter 1, beginning verse 9, it says there, Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose what? Mouths must be stopped. 
Who's supposed to stop them? The shepherd. Just like the shepherd would go and take that lamb out of the lion's mouth and then kill the lion. And go and take that lamb away from the bear and kill the bear. When the wolves come in, the shepherds gather in that lamb, protect that lamb, and kill the wolf. Stop their mouth, because that's what the savage wolf is, isn't it? It's somebody coming in with false doctrine that if those sheep, if that flock, listen to that false doctrine, what's going to happen? They're going to get ripped to shreds. You know, you read about a lion in the New Testament that is roaming about seeking whom he may devour. You ever seen a lion devour an animal? It's not pretty. And it's, who, who is it that the lion gets every time? The, the weak one. The one who is straying from the flock. And the lion cuts them off from the flock. Gets them separated. And, and, and pounces on their back, sinks their teeth into the back of their neck, and rips their throat out. The shepherds have to stop that from happening by stopping their mouth. That's the, the role of the shepherd. And, and the elders are uh, overseers and bishops. It says again in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 that Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. You know, that's the same word for bishop in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 and uh, Titus chapter 1 and verse 7. And it refers to someone who has the rule. Now as we talk about the relationship between preachers and, and elders, I'm thankful that the preacher's not the one that is said to have the rule of the congregation. I don't want it. I don't want that burden, and I'll show you why. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, do you know that the only person in the Bible that's going to be held accountable for somebody else's spiritual well-being is an elder, is an overseer, a bishop? It says there in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, Obey those... You think when the Bible says obey them, it means obey them? I think it does. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. And that says a lot about the role of the, the, the shepherd, the overseer, doesn't it? Because they're not just ruling over me, as Peter says, not lording it over them. They're not just ruling over me for their own power trip. They're not just ruling over me for their own sense of, you know, uh, I'm the one in charge and he's going to listen to what I say. That's not, that's not what an elder is like. You look at the qualifications, he's not a self-willed man. He's a humble man. He's not a novice, less, be, less being puffed up with pride. He fall into the same transgression. of the. He's a humble man. And a humble man is not going to lord his authority over somebody else. He's not a self-willed man. You know, if you get an eldership full of a bunch of self-willed, I shouldn't say men because that's part of being a man, is a man understands when to give and when to take. When you get an eldership of a bunch of uh, self-willed people, they're not men, they're a bunch of little kids saying, if I don't get my way, I'm taking my ball and going home. You go home, I go home, we'll go home, and the church can just fall by the wayside. That's not the kind of men you want in the eldership. That's not the role of an elder. They're men who understand. 
that they must give account for those under their oversight. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable to you. Do you see what the Hebrews writer says there? If you are a grief to the elders, that's not profitable to you. They're watching out for your soul. You're supposed to be in submission to them. Now, does that include the preacher? Yes, it does. And, and I need to move to that real quick. <laughs> As we look at those designations, uh, pastor, shepherd, overseer, bishop, elder, you know, Elder means he's an older man. We already talked about it. he's not a novice. He's an older man in the church. He's a man who has been brought up in the, in the uh, doctrine of Christ. He's learned in the doctrine of Christ. He's not a novice. He's somebody who can demonstrate by the spiritual well-being of his own family that if this man has uh, uh, leadership over you, if this man is in a position of leadership and you're following him, Things are going to go well for you. Look at his family. Look at his family. His family's faithful Christians. His family, no respect, no honor, no the love of God because he led them. So he would be a good leader in the church. That's the point of those qualifications of the family. And so he's an older man that has raised up his family. Now, we talk about the designation for preachers. Uh, and those designations likewise demonstrate the role of the preacher in the congregation. Uh, first of all, he's a minister. The min word minister means servant. If you look up that Greek word minister, uh, you'll find it translated servant a lot of times. You'll also find it translated deacon. So the preacher is a minister, a servant of the church. The preacher is an evangelist. And the preacher is a preacher. Now, let's look at how those, play, how those designations translate to his role in the church. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. If you, notice it, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. So his ministry, his service to the church is what? Instruction. He's a teacher. He instructs the church in the doctrine of Christ. That's his role in the church, is that of a teacher. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5. But you, be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So evangelism and ministry are connected there. How does he do his ministry? How does he fulfill his ministry? Instructing the brethren. Now we understand that that instruction, and there's a lot of verses through here we could look at, that instruction includes being an example. So he himself is supposed to be a faithful Christian man in the church, being an example of what a faithful Christian man is supposed to look like. And he is supposed to, in a more direct way, instruct. The brethren, that's his evangelism. You, you see that with uh, Philip the evangelist. Uh, in Acts chapter 21 and verse 8, it says there on the next day, we 
who were Paul's companions, departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist. Now we know who Philip the Evangelist is. That's the man who the Holy Spirit put on the uh, 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 road to encounter the Ethiopian eunuch and heard the Ethiopian eunuch reading from Isaiah 53 and went up to the Ethiopian eunuch and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch said, How can I unless someone, what? Guide me, instruct me, teach me. So what did Philip the evangelist do? He said, hang on, I'll go get a preacher. No, he was an evangelist. He's Philip the evangelist. He instructed him. He taught him. From Isaiah 53, the prophet's not talking about himself. He's talking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth who came and lived a perfect and sinless life and was killed on a cruel cross of Calvary to pay the price for our transgressions. By His stripes, we are healed. And I know when it says there in verse 35 that Philip preached Jesus to the eunuch, I know that no matter how much people want to jump up and down and scream and shout and just talk about, preach the man, not the plan. Just preach Jesus and get off all this doctrine stuff. All y'all talk about is baptism, baptism, baptism. Just preach Jesus. I say, you mean like Philip did? Because it says, Philip preached Jesus to him. And in verse 36, the eunuch says, See, here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? That evangelist preached Jesus to him, and you can't preach Jesus without preaching baptism. You can't preach Jesus that Jesus came to die and give His life for our sins, except you tell people how to have that blood applied to their life. We're baptized into His death. That by His stripes we can be healed. So that coming up from that watery grave of baptism, we're washed of every sin in the blood of Christ. And so the eunuch said, in the Greek, it's more along the lines of, Behold! Or, look there! There's some water! I need that water! Get me in that water! I need to be baptized! And Philip the evangelist instructed him and said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he took him down into the water and he baptized him. Because the eunuch said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he was washed that day of his sins because an evangelist instructed him. Now you see that designation, preacher. And look at what Paul says when Paul refers to himself as a preacher. He says in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 11, To which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Uh, again, you know, uh, you got minister. Ministers serves the Word of God to the church. Evangelist serves the Word of God, ministers the Word of God to lost people outside. Preacher, that's just another word for teacher. He's a teacher. He's a public proclaimer. He's an authoritative teacher of God's Word. And you know, I, I think part of the problem with the relationship between preachers and elders, and really preachers and, and congregations, is that in, in our reaction to the denominational pastoral system, where they have a singular head in a congregation other than Christ, and they call that man the pastor. In the churches of Christ, we came back all the way to the other side of that. We said, oh, we got to get away from that and say, no, the preacher got no authority. Well, that's not Bible either. 
That's not biblical either. Because you can go through, and we don't have time to go through all the passages. I got a whole bunch of them listed out that where, uh, uh, say over and over again that Timothy and Titus were supposed to charge. That word is command. It's the same word that's used for Christ, commanding. The, the evangelist, the preacher, the teacher, the instructor of the church is supposed to command and exhort and rebuke. Well, you can't do that without authority. So yes, the preacher has authority. Now, I've got just a few minutes left and I've got a whole lot of material left. <laughs> Where do the problems arise? We see the roles. The role of the elders is to shepherd the church, including being strong, brave men and protecting the flock from the savage wolves. Part of the way they do that is they, they enlist the services of a preacher as the primary teacher, the, the, the front man of the band, if you will, to instruct the church. He's the primary teacher in the church. So you've got those two roles and problems arise when one or the other doesn't understand and respect the role of the other. Now, one of... Uh, the most common problems, one of the most fundamental problems, if you will, in a relationship that, that, that comes up between elders and preachers is this idea that the preacher is an employee of the church. That's not Bible. That's not the truth. The preacher is not a paid employee of the church. You know, the closest I could find in the Bible of a employer-employee relationship in the church. The closest thing I could find to that is how Paul describes paying the preacher. He says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses uh, 9 through 12, For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, is it oxen God is concerned about, or does He say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing? If we reap your material things, if others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? So there you got a, a, a situation described where the church is paying the teacher, the, the preacher, the, the evangelist. Uh, you see down in verse 14 of that same chapter, even so the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. So the church thinks we're paying him. That makes him our employee. Well, let's look. Let's look and see. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Okay. Let's pay him. We'll pay him. And he's our employee. We get to tell him what to do. Let's see. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 18. For the Scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. See there, he's a laborer, and we pay his wages. He's our laborer. He's our employee. We, oh, wait a minute now. See, I tripped you up, didn't I? That's not talking about the preacher. That's talking about the elders. That's talking about the elders. Back up. Verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. That double honor, that's money. That's talking about having paid elders. 
Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. So you got elders, and, and, and those elders are given to full-time service in the church. And, and it may be those elders either take turns, or one of them is, is the, the uh, primary teacher. He's, he's also filling that role of preacher and evangelist and minister. And so, take care of him. Now let me ask you this. That's talking about paying the elder. For the Scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his hire. What's the laborer he's talking about there? It's talking about the elders. So if paying the preacher makes the preacher the employee of the elders or the church, then whose employee are the elders when they get paid? Oh, see, now you've got a problem, don't you? And so you, 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 you get into this thinking about the preacher as, the, as the, the paid employee. I had a man stand up one time. Now, I let, let me first tell you what they were mad at me about. I went out door knocking. Can you imagine that? I went out door knocking, and I didn't ask their permission. Can you imagine that? How, how, how insubordinate of me that I would go out door knocking trying to seek and save the lost without asking the permission of the men of the church. And I said, and I mean, they were chewing me up. And I said, brethren, they weren't elders. They thought they were elders, but they weren't elders. I said, I said brethren, I don't need your permission. I have Jesus Christ's permission. And one of them stood up and leaned. He was a great big man, too. He stood up, leaned across the table, put his finger in my face, and shook his finger in my face and said, you are a paid employee and you'll do what we tell you to do. I said, that's, that's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. That's not a scriptural relationship in the church. The, the preacher is a minister. That, that dedicates himself to the study and the teaching of God's Word, and as such, has the right to be... Maybe we need to change the terminology from, from paid or salaried or contracted or what have you. The, the preacher is a minister, a servant of the church, that because of his dedication to the Word of God and to teaching the Word of God and to giving himself, as Paul tells Timothy and Titus, give yourself entirely to it. Because he does that, he has the right, the scriptural right, to be, what's the word we use? Supported. To be supported by the church. He's not the employee. You know, uh, sometimes Donna asks me, Daddy, who's your boss? Or she'll ask me, are the elders your boss? She'll say, and I'll tell her, uh, I work for Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ is my boss. I serve the Lord. The elders oversee the church. They have the authority to, oh, and yes, they do have authority. Don't ever say that the elders don't have authority, or as some say, usually very liberal-minded people, want to say, well, their authority is just in, by way of example. Well, which one of us is not supposed to be a good example? No, they have the authority to, to rule the congregation. Obey those. It's hard to obey somebody that doesn't have any authority. It's hard to say that somebody rules over you if they don't have any authority. 
Of course they have authority. But their authority is in what we might refer to as uh, generic authority or expediency, where the elders uh, make decisions for the church where those decisions do not contradict or uh, uh, make void, as Jesus put it to the elders that He was rebuking in His time, uh, don't make void the Word of God. Right? If the elders say that the Wednesday night Bible class is at 7 o'clock, then you better be here at 7 o'clock. Because they have the authority to say that the Bible class is at 7 o'clock. They don't have the authority to say that when you come to Bible class, we're going to have a nice skit and a puppet show. We might dance around a little bit. You know, they don't have the authority to do that. Now, then there's a common problem on the other side, where the preacher gets it in his head that he has the authority over the elders. That's not scriptural either. As the preacher, I am a member of the congregation. And as a member of the congregation, the Hebrews writer was talking to me when he said, Obey them that have the rule over you. Now, if they start coming up to me and telling me things like, now, we don't want you to preach on marriage, divorce, and remarriage because that hurts some people's feelings. Then I have to say, uh, I have to preach the whole counsel of God. And I'm, I'm sorry y'all feel that way, but we need, to, we need to study that. We need to work that out because I, I have to preach what the Bible says. See? I don't have the authority to then turn around and say, well, y'all, y'all, y'all just are, are no longer elders. You're just not elders anymore. The, the preacher doesn't have that authority. The preacher is a member of the congregation that is under the rule of those elders. And so, by respecting and honoring the uh, complementary roles of elders, of all the relationships in the church, what relationship should be closer and more harmonious than the relationship between elders and preachers. The ones, the ones who are responsible for the spiritual well-being of the, 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 the flock, of the church, of the congregation, and, and the one who they have instilled in their trust and their confidence in to say, we want you to be the primary teacher in the church. We want you to be the instructor in the church. They, they, they should go together like this. They should not be like this. They should be like this in their relationship together. And I see Brother Glasgow is just, he, he, he's sitting there. He, he, wants to, he wants to pull me down. I'm over time. I'm over time. I'm over time, so I need to, I need to wrap it up. But I do want to uh, emphasize purity, purity in our relationships. If we, if we have love and sincerity to one another, that problem of the preacher being the paid employee. Now what happens with any other member of the church that comes and says, uh, men or brethren, my, my, my shepherds, my elders, my pastors, I'm, I'm having some problems at home. My, my marriage isn't what it ought to be. And I need help, I need guidance, I need instruction. And those elders would say, well, we, now we just can't have any marital problems going on. Uh, that, that's going to hurt the church. You've you got to leave. But what usually happens when there's something wrong in the life of the preacher? 
And the elders have that, or the congregation, has that mentality, well, he's a paid employee. If, now, if he's having some problems, we need to get him out of there. No, that's, that's not the kind of relationship we see in the Bible. The elders are supposed to love me and care about me and care about my soul so that they want to restore me, not move me on down the road. And the preacher should be able to have the confidence in his elders that when he gets up and he preaches a hard lesson, a tough lesson, something that, something that he knows there's going to be some people in the pews that are going to be stomping, spitting mad about it. He should be able to, to uh, uh, know that his elders have his back. And they're going to get up and they're going to say, what this brother preached is 100% what the Bible says and we stand with him. And if you have a problem with it, please come see us. Would that not eliminate so many of these problems we see if, if we just have the right relationships in the church and those relationships are pure, purity in our relationships together? I'm go right into the invitation. Okay. Uh, we've been talking about how the, uh, the church is a family and those family relationships... And one of the blessings of a strong family, of a healthy family, the kind of family the church is supposed to be with the right relationships, what they're supposed to be. That kind of healthy family. One of the blessings of a healthy family is security, comfort, nourishment. And it may be you don't know that kind of family. You've been beat up abused, neglected, malnourished by the world. And you see this family that is the church. And you see the love and the compassion that is there for one another. And, and you, you, want, you want to be part of that. You want to escape the darkness of the world and to be conveyed into the kingdom of the Son of His dear love. And we want you to know that you can do that this evening by hearing the Word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And hearing the Word of God, believing what it teaches about Christ and His kingdom. Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. When they believed what Philip taught concerning the kingdom of God and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they were baptized. And believing what it teaches about Christ and His kingdom, repenting of your sins. Acts chapter 17 and verse 30. Repenting of your sins, confessing that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And making that confession with the mouth, like the Ethiopian eunuch made, saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Making that confession with the mouth unto salvation. You want to come and be baptized into Christ. To have your sins washed away by His blood. Knowing that He died to pay the price for your sins, and when you are baptized into Him, that blood is applied to pay the price for your sins, and you come up out of that watery grave of baptism pure and clean and spotless from any stain to live in newness of life, a new life of purity, a new life in a family that will love you and take care of you put their arms around you and nurture you and look after you. It may be that you've done that 
you've known the blessings of being in the church, being in the family that is the church. But for whatever reason, you walked away from that. You left the safety of that family, like the prodigal son that ran away from his father. And now you're back in the world and you're feeding on the slop of the world. And you need to come to yourself. You need to come to your senses and run back to your father, knowing that he is watching for you to come back. He is watching for you and He will run out to you and He will put His arms around you and kiss you and weep on your neck with joy when you come back to be restored to His family, His house. God is faithful to forgive if we will only come and ask His forgiveness. Whatever your need is this evening, pray that you'll come while we stand and sing. With the Lord in the light